Good morning, North Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're thrilled that you're here. Our Wednesday night Greater Than Conference was an absolute blast. We had tons of kids from multiple churches here from all over Spokane, and it was a great night of worship, connecting with each other, and of course, learning about important and positive and healthy steps and purity in their lives. It was a great time. In just a moment, the North Church Worship Band's going to play for us a few songs, and then one of the North Church Bible teachers is going to share with us a message that's going to help us grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord. If you'd like to learn more about what's going on here at North Church, find us online at northchurch.net, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, click on e-bulletin, and there you'll be able to see all the things happening throughout the life of our church. If after service you have any questions, please stop by the Info Center. There are happy volunteers would be more than happy to answer any questions that you may have. And don't forget to stop by the coffee bar. There we have hot drinks and cold drinks and a variety of tasty pastries for your enjoyment. And it's all supported off of your generosity. If you're new here today or have been coming to North Church for just a couple of weeks, welcome. We'd love the opportunity to meet you and get to know you. We believe in healthy and growing relationships. And after service, you're invited to a brief five-minute meeting where you get the chance to connect with one of the pastors here at the church, ask some questions about what's going on here at North Church and what God is doing and your potential next steps. We'll see you there. Well, if you've been coming to North Church for any length of time, by now you've heard of Rooted, our 10-week discipleship journey where you and another group of individuals together get to jump into God's Word, pray together, reach out and serve the community together, and much, much more. This is an exciting and important experience that we hope everybody at North Church gets the chance to go through. Our spring sessions are kicking off soon and registration is now open. We encourage everybody to explore and learn and jump into a Rooted group. At the end of April, there is something called the Collide Conference coming to Spokane. This is for middle schoolers all the way through young adults. And it's a multi-day event where this age group gets the chance to break out and grow in relationships with others, worship together, and hear from speakers that are coming from all over the United States to encourage and invest and to pour into all these different age groups. Learn more online. Those are all the announcements that we have for you today. And if at the end of service you're in need of prayer, please step forward. Members of our church and members of our prayer team would love the opportunity to agree with you in prayer. Also, right now on your mobile device, go to Facebook, check into North Church. Every three check-ins right now helps provide an item for the World Relief Welcome Basket for refugees coming into Spokane. Thank you so much for participating in that and also your generosity. Right now we're going to sing, would you please stand?
morning, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome. Let me do it again. Good morning, everybody. Yeah. Now I'm feeling it. Hey, we're so glad you're here, especially if you're visiting with us. Uh, we value relationships here. We'd love to help you get connected in growing and healthy relationships. And one of the things we can do is directly after the service, I'll be over here by this monitor. Love to meet with you. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. So if you're new, come over and see me, and I'll tell you more about how you can get connected. Hey, this past week was an amazing week. We had a lot of things going on around here. Uh, but the coolest part is lives being changed and transformed. We had our Greater Than Conference, where we teamed up with multiple organizations and churches in our community and uh, had, uh, had parents learning and uh, students growing and learning. We had 30 students come to know Jesus this uh, past Wednesday night. And then on Friday night, we had our rooted celebration. We had 13 people get baptized and declare boldly their faith in Christ. And it's just been a huge week. A lot of wonderful, amazing things God's been doing. So, hey, let's uh, say hi to one another. Turn around, greet somebody, introduce yourself. Sorry to interrupt. You guys are awesome. Hey, I uh, wanted to, again, welcome you. Glad that you're here with us today. This is uh, my buddy, Ryan McClellan. Ryan is uh, one of our pastors on our staff. And uh, yeah, go ahead. He really likes people clapping for him. Yeah. It's one thing I know about Ryan. <laughs> but Ryan actually has been in our church now for about five years, uh, three and a half years on our staff. He went through our pastoral training and is one of our pastors. He is an amazing man of God, doing a great work here. He has he is, uh, really brought us uh, along in the area of our uh, technical arts and, and communications here at the church over the past couple years. And most recently, uh, due to the fact that we had to do some consolidating with our staff, uh, in the last couple months, uh, God really laid on his heart uh, to step up and help in a need we had, which is to be the new family and children's pastor. And so this guy, uh, he has immense amounts of energy, lots of, lots of creativity flowing through him. And uh, he, he loves kids. He loves discipling people. And uh, so we're, we're going to get the benefit of his wonderful leadership in our kids' ministry and family ministries. And so uh, we're excited you're a part of that. So he wanted to tell us a little more. Thank you very much. No, I am absolutely excited to be able to jump into this new role. I absolutely love kids, and I love what God is doing. And getting the chance to really step into this role gave us the opportunity to kind of revisit some of the things that have been happening within our kids' ministry. And it's been so exciting for the five years that we've been here to see how God's just grown kids through our kids' ministry, and I wanted to be part of that. Because I absolutely believe that it's our responsibility to hand off this church to our kiddos later, better, 
better than we actually got it ourselves. And I think that there's some really cool things that God's going to start doing as well. There's some really cool things that are coming up with parent resourcing videos and different ways to refresh the rooms. We're redesigning the K through three room right now. And with the change really came an opportunity to refocus on the mission that God's called this church to, which is very, very fun. You've heard it before. We exist to inspire others to say yes to God by becoming wholehearted followers of Jesus connecting in healthy and growing relationships, and boldly living and sharing the gospel in Spokane and around the rest of the world. And I wanted to take that mission statement, and the team and I within the staff team got the chance to really kind of consolidate that to something really memorable for the kids. And we're calling it Know, Grow, Show. We want kids to know Jesus. We want kids to grow in healthy relationships and we want kids to show others what God is doing in their lives. And so that's kind of our process that we've distilled down from the mission of the church, making it very memorable and very applicable for our kids downstairs. And there's some really, really cool things that are coming up. Now, I want to invite everybody here to come and take a look because I've got the chance to serve with some amazing people. And just jumping into kids over the last four weeks, that's no exception. Some of the most amazing uh, servant-oriented, just people with the most amazing heart, and a lot of that's you in this room right now, that just love kids, love pouring into the next generation, and see the importance of doing so. And there's some really fun things coming up, and it's my honor to serve with you guys. Now, I wanted to invite everybody to come take a look at what God's doing there. And the next opportunity we have for that is Easter coming up. Easter is a huge outreach effort here at the church. We have hundreds of people from all over the community come to church for the very first time, and their children's experience matters. It's super, super important. And we need your help as the community comes to church and checks things out. We want to help kids and adults take that next step towards Christ. And so after service today, I'm going to be out in the lobby with some of the other amazing North Kids staff team members. We'll have a volunteer sheet where we could definitely use your help for Easter to help reach out to the community to watch kids. We're going to do Easter egg hunts. We're going to have lessons. It's going to be a great, great time. We want to help. We want to invite you to come help us and take a look at what God is doing. So I look forward to seeing many of you guys right after service. Thank you very much. Yeah. How many people do we need? Well, we need 40 volunteers at least for Easter this year. So okay. don't hesitate. How many came? How many signed up last service? About 15 total. 15 last service? Yeah. All right. Can you outdo that, you guys? Yeah. I, yeah. I think you can. You can. Come on, let's do it. I think you can outdo 15 signups. Yeah. All right. Well, let's pray for this guy as he steps into this role. God, we just thank you for Ryan. Thank you for the calling that you've placed on his life. Uh, and, and, just stepping into this role, not just to fill a need, but Lord, he's stepping up and stepping in because he's heard your voice. He's heard your calling. And Lord, we affirm him as a church and we pray that you would just bless him and anoint him, strengthen him for this work and bless our kids, God. Bless them as they're, as they're learning and growing here within the context of the church, but even more importantly at home, Lord, we pray that you will just raise us up as parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, Lord, to pour into their lives and to care about their spiritual walk. And so give us uh, that ability, Lord, so those kids can be overcomers in this generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up together as we, as we worship God.
But we've done the song a few times already, so sing it loud.
power that comes with the name of Jesus. It's a song that a friend introduced to me a couple months ago, and ever since I heard it, um, it's been this constant reminder of how powerless I am and how powerful the name of Jesus is, how powerful Jesus is, and how that power lives inside of me every day and lives inside of us every day. So right now we're going to sing about the beautiful name.
His name is powerful. Where is it that you, you need that power in your life right now? Maybe it's to infuse a relationship that's going south. Maybe it's in the area of your kids' lives or in your business or possibly a loss you've experienced. You see, God wants to infuse us with power. He wants to pour out his power through his son, Jesus. And in his name, there is power. So I want to ask you right now, bring whatever that is that you need to see God's power released in your life. Bring it to God. And let's call on his name this morning. And let's believe him as he breaks through barriers for us, as he sets captives free, he releases us from maybe long-standing addictions of sin. And he heals and raises up our bodies and he strengthens our relationships. Jesus, we call upon your name right now. And each one of us in this room have needs represented. Where we look at it, it looks hopeless, it looks difficult, it looks dead. And yet, Lord, we're praying in the name of Jesus that you bring life, that you bring healing. God, that you resurrect. God, that you infuse with life and power. Thank you, Father. Would you continue to bring that very specific need that you have before the throne of God? He invites you to come boldly into the throne room and bring that request call on the powerful name of Jesus. Let's do that. God, we bring uh, all of these things to you and we commit them to you in prayer in the mighty, powerful, beautiful, and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings here in just a quick second. So if you need a moment to prepare that, maybe you uh, prepare that in advance and have a gift for God that's ready. Uh, if not, we've got a, a number of ways you can give from giving online through text to give, or maybe you're watching the service online uh, and have a chance to give through text or online. Either way, that would be 
great, uh, this, this that we do, this bringing of our offerings as our, is an act of worship to the Lord. And just want to say thank you to so many who give so regularly in such a committed way to what God's doing here. We're seeing great things happen. So with that in view, ushers, come on forward, and we'll receive the offering. And while they're doing that, I feel compelled to share with us this morning a dream that I had last night. As I was, um, as I was going down to sleep, I just had kind of this sense of, you know, I've been preparing all week for the message, and I feel like I've got this sense of a heart for what God wants to say that's inside of me, and I just want to make sure that that gets out. And so I was just thinking about that and praying about that and just wanting, wanting that to happen, right? And so I fell asleep, and then midway through the evening, I have this dream. And in my dream, my, my hand is just kind of like throbbing and feels a little warm. And I didn't know what that was about, so I grabbed it, and I just started kind of pressing it and massaging it. And then right as I moved down towards the end of the finger, my, my finger split open, and out came a little black spider. I know, right? That's weird. And I didn't know what that was about, but it creeped me out a little bit, so I, who knows if there's more. So I, I just kind of kept pressing and massaging, and all of a sudden there's a steady stream of little black spiders that are coming out my finger, down the bed, and running down to the bed on the floor, and pretty soon it's, it's like a, a trail of them, and I am freaking out, and somehow, like only you can know in a dream, I just knew that where they were all going was down under the bed, because that's where like the mothership, the queen mother of all spiders was, <laughs> and I had to go get her. So I crawled out of bed, and I reached down under the bed, and then I woke up. So whatever that means for you about the message and what's coming out, that's on you to discern. Mostly, I just want to say, if there are any therapists here, and you have a business card, if you could leave that at the info center, I'll be in touch with you this week. There's some work to be done, for sure. We're doing this series. We're calling it Just Like Jesus, because that's what we want to be, just like him. And in this series, what we're doing is we're looking at these series of statements that Jesus makes uh, that describes who he is. And using kind of the Old Testament language of I am, which is how God described himself, Jesus says these series of I am statements to describe himself, and we're looking at them. But then we're also taking into account what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church when he talked about um, our role representing Jesus to the, world, to the world. And he wrote this, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has then committed to us, to you and me, the message of reconciliation. And so we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though he were making his appeal through us, and so we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, there's, I mean, it's one thing to know what Jesus says about himself and how he describes himself. And he says things like, I'm the bread of life and I'm the light of the world. And those things are true. We've talked about them. But then there's another thing to say, hey, if, if Jesus is the bread of life and he's the light of the world, and then I'm supposed to be his ambassador to the world, how do I show the world the bread of life? How do I provide spiritual nourishment for them? And, and the light of the world has brought his light into my life. How can I share that light with the world that's out there. That's our call. And so we're looking at both sides of that. And, and this morning, we're going to do that out of a passage that's in John chapter 10. And while you're getting there in your Bibles or your phones or whatever you're using, the first five verses or so of John chapter 10, Jesus starts kind of painting this visual image, this picture. And he's talking about sheep, and he's talking about a shepherd, and he's kind of talking about a sheepfold, kind of the, the pen that holds them and things like that. And there's nothing particularly new 
uh, or innovative about this, and it just comes right out of the Old Testament. Psalm 23 talks about the Lord is my shepherd, right? And a lot of us are familiar with that psalm. Ezekiel 34 is kind of an extended long passage where God himself says through his prophet that I will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And so Jesus is kind of drawing on this long-standing imagery about sheep and shepherds uh, and the place that they stay in the pen. And Jesus' point is that the shepherd is someone who can walk in and out through the door of that sheep pen, and that's not a problem because he belongs there. And he'll come in and his sheep will hear his voice and they'll recognize him and they'll follow him. But Jesus is also saying that anyone who's coming in not through the doorway but kind of over the wall on the side, that person's not a shepherd. That's no one that the sheep should follow. That person's a liar. That person's a thief, and he's out to destroy them. So that's kind of the big picture that Jesus is painting there. And he's talking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are kind of not getting what he's saying. They're not figuring it out, because what Jesus is saying, and what they don't recognize is he's saying, in this picture, I'm the shepherd. This, this image of, of, a, of a flock, a place where God's people are, God's community, the gathering of God's people, I'm the shepherd. And they weren't getting that. They didn't understand it. And so several verses down the line, like starting in verse 11, Jesus, Jesus is going to go back and cover all of that again. He's going to talk about what it means to be the good shepherd and everything else like that, and Mike's going to be talking about that next week. But this week, we're talking about a little tiny passage kind of right between the beginning and that follow-up in verses 7 through 10, where Jesus uses a different image other than the shepherd. In this picture, Jesus says, I'm the gate. I am the gate. In fact, here's exactly how it goes down. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who have come before me, those are thieves and those are robbers. And the sheep haven't listened to them. I, Jesus says, am the gate. And whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and then they will go out and they will find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have that life to the full. And that's an interesting image, that gate, the idea of a gate. Because the gate, um, well, the, it just it presumes an inside and an outside, right? If you've got a gate to an enclosure, it just presumes very naturally that there are those who are on the inside of that enclosure, on the inside of the gate. And in this image, those are the people that belong to God. And they're uh, the people that are following him, right? And then it also presumes that there's an outside the gate, the people who are, for whatever reason, not those people who belong to God. And the gate stands right there at the intersection of the inside and the outside. And the function of a gate, right, is that it, it swings both ways. There's, there's two-way traffic through a gate. There's, there's traffic from the outside moving in, and then there's some traffic from the inside that moves back out. And we're kind of going to look at this image that Jesus gives us from both sides of that. And we're going to start with the inbound traffic. What does it mean that Jesus is the gate in terms of how people come into the sheepfold. The Pharisees had an interesting dilemma with what Jesus was saying because they really, um, they understood themselves to be part of God's people. And if you would have asked them why, why is it that you feel like you're on the inside of the pen that encloses God's people, they would have had a, a, a number of layered answers. The first of which is just has to do with their nationality. We're Israel. We're God's chosen people. That, that, is, that puts us in, in the pen to be sure. But as Pharisees, there are also many of them came from like the real prominent tribes and the families uh, that were prominent in the society. 
And so they would say, in addition to just being a kind of run-of-the-mill, everyday member of Israel, I come from a great family with a long tradition of leadership. They would have said, in addition to that, one of the things that we do, one of the ways I know that I'm one of God's people is we follow the Old Testament law the dietary restrictions, the Ten Commandments, and all of that kind of stuff. One of the things that makes us who we are, one of the things that makes us God's people, they would have said, is that we follow the rules and the commandments that are set forth in front of us. And then specifically, they're the religious practices that, that we follow as well. These are people who would uh, go to the temple appropriately. These are people who would uh, make the appropriate sacrifices to do all of the appropriate things, to celebrate the appropriate feasts in the appropriate season. They did all of the things that their religious faith required of them. And on the basis of all of those things, the Pharisees would have said, look, we're in. We're not just part of the flock, we're leaders of the flock. And what Jesus is saying is that, you know, nationality, family, good behavior, religious ritual, that's not how it's going to work anymore. The entryway, the gate into being the people of God is not going to be about those things anymore. Jesus says, I am the gate. The way into what God has for you is not through any of those other practices, it's through following me. And this was offensive to the Pharisees. Don't be mistaken, this was very offensive because they're used to thinking of themselves as the leaders of the flock as the shepherds of God's people. And Jesus saying, no, you're actually wrong. By virtue of the fact that you are rejecting me and refusing to follow me and, and, and uh, rejecting my teaching, because you're doing that, you're not coming in through the gate. You're coming in over the wall. And that makes you a thief. And makes you a robber. That makes you someone that the enemy is using to steal and kill and to destroy in and amongst the family of God. And they were rightly offended by that. Jesus is saying that's not how it's going to work anymore. Entrance into the family of God, into the sheepfold of God, is through Jesus. And the Pharisees just couldn't get it. They didn't get it. And most of the time I look at the Pharisees and I go, man, what a bunch of idiots. And then I look closer and I go, man, they're a lot like me. I must be a pretty big idiot. I tend to see the world that they, the way that they do sometimes. And I think that there are a lot of parallels between the way uh, that the Pharisees tended to view entrance into the sheepfold there are a lot of parallels to that and the way that most of our culture and society look at that as well. Um, I mean, you have to ask, when you think about the person on the street, just someone that you would talk to out there at your workplace, in your neighborhood, in one of your classes, whatever, and ask them, hey, why do you, why do you feel like you're good with God, like you're one of his people? What, what makes you one of God's people? A lot, some people would simply say, hey, I'm part, it's America. I grew up in America, I'm an, um, America's a Christian nation and I'm an American, therefore God must be pleased with me. Others might appeal to their family, right? And say, well, my family grew up at church and grew up as Christians and their family before them and I grew up in my parents' home and they were very Christian and so kind of by default, I guess I just kind of familyed my way in. Others might say, hey, it's because of my behavior. What makes you right with God? I'm a decent person, I'm pretty good. You know, Ten Commandments, I'm like six for ten, it's all good. <laughs> and I may not be perfect, but I'm better than him, I'm better than her, so that's got to be, that's got to count, right? And others might actually appeal to, like, religious practice. I come to church a lot. I, I 
I got baptized. I, I have communion. I give when the offering comes by. I am part of different groups and stuff, and I serve and I volunteer, and I do all these religious things. That Surely that must be the answer, right? These are all real common things that we hear all the time from anybody that we would talk to about them, and Jesus is saying, no, those things can be fine and they're wonderful, but in terms of the gateway in, the entrance into being the people of God, he says, is to follow me. I am the gate. It's very clear. And uh, there's this image, I mean, it's, it's such a powerful image. It's not, when Jesus says, I am the gate, it, we have to recognize that when, uh, when they built a sheep pen back in the day, they didn't just run down to Home Depot and grab some power tools and a few hinges and a door. It didn't work that way. A lot of times the enclosure was just kind of some rocks stacked on up or, uh, on each other and forming kind of a circular pen and then there'd be a gap that was the door. And the shepherd, once everyone was in, would actually place himself physically in the doorway, maybe kind of back against one wall, feet against the other, and nobody can come in and out because he is literally the gate. That's what Jesus is saying. But the gate, like we mentioned, it's not just one-way traffic. It doesn't just govern who's coming in and how they're coming in. It also regulates the traffic going out. It functions as the way out of the pen into the life that God is calling his flock to live. Specifically, this is what Jesus said in that passage that we just read a moment ago. He says that they will come in and they will go out and they'll find pasture. So they come in and we come into God's family. We find an identity. We find safety and protection and security and peace and rest and we find all those things. But then there's also a going out. And it says that when they go out, they're going to find pasture. That's, what, that's kind of the, uh, the full extent of a sheep's need is pasture. That pasture represents the various needs of our life. And specifically, what am I going to do to eat to put bread on the table? There's pasture and there's provision out there. And what Jesus is saying for the sheep that are, that are part of God's flock, the ones that are his followers, he says, the way out into the provision and the pasture that you need, it comes through me. The way to get to the provision that you need, the very practical provision, like food that you're going to eat, financial needs, those sorts of things. The, the way to that is out through the gate. What would it look like to go through the Jesus gate in the pursuit of the provision that you and I need? We'd have to look at what Jesus says, and he says things like, look, God loves you. God cares for you, and whatever your needs are, don't worry don't yield to worry. It's a sin, but trust in God. He wants to care for those needs. So one of the ways out into the provision God has for us is to trust him and not to worry. We learn from uh, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 that another aspect of that is, uh, is contentment, to not be so eager to acquire all those things out there that we're not content with what we have because a lack of contentment makes us, instead of going through the Jesus gate, makes us try and bolt over the wall, and that leads to trouble. Interesting, Jesus says one of, the, one of the ways that will get you to that provision uh, and that pasture that you desperately need and want, he says, is to actually give to others, right? He says, uh, give to others and it will be given back to you. That's one of the ways it means, that's one of the ways we step into the provision that God has to us through the Jesus gate. And Jesus says, store up for yourself treasures that are in heaven, right? Not just the ones that are on earth. So all of these things are the ways that we would walk out to find the provision God has for us. And the problem is, we don't always want to do it that way. It feels a little counterintuitive. 
if I'm using my, my financial resources to help other people, I'm not sure that's going to get me the provision that I need. If I don't take the time to really work up a good worry over my finances, I'm just not sure I'm going to find the provision that I need out there. And if I spend all my time storing up treasures in heaven, will I really be able to get to that provision, that pasture that I need? I'm reminded of, uh, of a time I was at my in-law's house in western Minnesota. They farm there, and they used to have sheep. And, uh, I, you know, I'm just a city kid. I don't know sheep from nothing, but there we are. And I walk out one day, and, and here's what I find. They had the sheep kind of in an open pen area with, with a gate over here, and the gate wasn't even closed or locked. It was just an opening. And here's this dumb sheep. Sheep are dumb. I have learned that, city boy or not. And here's the sheep who got to the edge of the fence and looked out, and he saw some of the pasture, some food that he wanted to have. And he wanted it. And it was about 18 inches away. But there's a fence in the way. So he had a choice to make. I can either walk three feet this way, go through the open doorway, and have all the food I want, or I can reject the door and just stick my neck through the slats in the fence for about 12 inches and get stuck. <laughs> and so he's sitting there, and I walk out in the morning, and I find the sheep with, with his head stuck through the fence six inches away from the food that he really wanted and needed, that he could have got by walking around, but now he's stuck, and he would have died six inches away from the provision that was there for him if he'd had just gone through the door. And I thought, that is a metaphor for my life. How many times have I known that the way to get the financial peace that, that God really wants me to have, to access the provision he has in store for me, he's described how to get there. Jesus is the doorway into all of that. And I say, that's hard. I'm just going to try over here on my own. not working. I hope some stupid city kid comes by soon or I'm going to die here. Jesus is the gate. He's the gateway out into the provision that God has. And he says, if you'll live your life in pursuit of me and the principles that I, that I put in front of you, you'll find that provision. But if we shortcut that like stupid sheep and just try and go through the fence, we're going to get stuck. And we may even perish within inches of the provision God already had in store for us. Jesus says, I am the gate. As far as inbound traffic, right, that I am the, following Jesus is the way into his fold. And as far as outbound traffic, his principles and his instructions are the way to gain access into the provision and the pasture that's out there for us. And so that's who Jesus is. And now we've got to ask the question for us, like, how do we embody that for the world around that? for the world around us. It's not just enough to know that Jesus is the way. How can we help, um, in a very real way, be the gate that leads people to Jesus and be used by God to lead people into the provision that he has? Well, with regard to the inbound traffic, I just want to say this. Picture yourself at the doorway to the community of God's people. You may, you may picture it as like the doorway to the church, right? Or maybe you picture it as the doorway to your home, as a place where people can come encounter the, God, the love of God that way, however it is. But, but picture yourself there right at the intersection where, where God's people are behind you and people that don't know God yet are in front of you, right? 
And the, the problem is some people take up that post and say, yes, there are sinners out there, there are saints in here, and it's my job to stand there like Gandalf at the bridge in the Lord of the Rings and say, you shall not pass. <laughs> have you encountered those people? I hope that you haven't here, and if you have, I'm sorry, but I don't think you've encountered it much. If you've encountered that anywhere, I apologize on behalf of what should have happened there. Because if we stand at that intersection between the people who don't follow God yet and the people that are doing their best to follow Jesus now, our reception should be exactly the same reception that they found from Jesus. And Jesus is the one who went out in search of the tax collector and joined him and ate with him. Jesus is the one who refused to cast a stone at the woman who was caught in adultery. Jesus was the one who broke every social convention so that he could sit and speak and care for the woman at the well. Jesus was the one who told the story of the Good Samaritan and essentially said, even though he's your enemy and even though he works actively against you, you should care for his every need, bind up his wounds, and bear the cost of seeing that he's cared for. That's the Jesus that people should encounter when they get to us between the outside and the inside, right? What people encounter of us should not be a defensive posture of, you can't come in here, these are good people, and you're not there yet. What they should encounter are people who are lovingly aware that, that there's an open invitation to be had that says, yes, there are sinners. Come join with the rest of us other sinners in being transformed by God's love and to recover from the very habits and patterns that sin has built into our lives. We do that together. I want to encourage you. Again, this, whether you envision that as, as entrance into the church building or probably more importantly in the way that people encounter your faith when you're out in the workplace, out at your school, out on the job, in your neighborhood, when people encounter you and your faith, make sure that the, the reception they receive from you representing the gate who is Jesus is one of love and embrace and of warmth. That's with regard to the inbound traffic. Let's talk about the outbound traffic a little bit as well. Because there's a challenge to us in the way that we go out and move out. We stand at the doorway of, of the flock of those who would follow Jesus. And we head out into a world that's full of, what, some brokenness, some hurt, occasionally some desperation. It's a difficult place that way. And how, do we, how can we do that in a way that represents Jesus well? I want you to hear this. Jesus left the comfort and the privilege of heaven and with great intentionality went to earth with a sense of mission and a sense of purposeful redemption of the world. He didn't just kind of show up and very passively say, well, let's just see how this works out. He said, no, I'm, I'm doing this with intentionality, with purpose, and I'm going to do what it takes to redeem the world. And that should be our posture as well as we think of transitioning from within the safe confines of the sheepfold of God out into a world of people that God's love. We got to do it with a sense of mission, with a sense of purpose. We can't be uh, passive and simply say, well, I'll head, I'll head out into my day and hope that things go well. We'll see. We got to go on a mission and say, I've got a mission to see Christ's redemption come to these people that I will meet in the various places where I do my life that way. Back in 1986, uh, Lou Holtz was the coach of the Notre Dame football program, and he wanted to inspire his players to go out onto the field for every game with a sense, a sense of passion, intention, and a sense that they carry on a tradition of people who have given everything to make their school great. And so he had this sign made 
play like a champion today. And that has become the tradition at Notre Dame. When they run out on the field, every player smacks that sign with his hand and in so doing reminds himself, I am part of a tradition that takes what we, hear, what we have here in the school and, and takes it out onto the field and does well what we are about with excellence that honors everything that's gone before. Traditions are pretty amazing, right? Traditions uh, work together to form realities. And over the years, that's been pretty powerful. Can I suggest that whether we're talking about the exit signs at the back of this auditorium or the signs at the door, or maybe just the, the, the sign that you would put over the, the door to your garage and the way, on your way out into your life every morning? What if there was just a sign for you to slap that said, love people like Jesus today? To smack your head on, or your, your head. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about Notre Dame football, by the way. They're banging their heads all over, whatever. To smack your hand onto that sign and say, I'm going to love people like Jesus today. And in so doing, I'm going to bring my very best energy, my very most passion, and I'm going to join a long-standing tradition and legacy of God loving people right where they are. And I'm not just going to wait around for it to happen. I'm going to do it with some intentionality, with some passion and some purpose. It would be am- the results of that. The sun would shine in Spokane. The snow would melt. Gonzaga would keep winning. It'd be awesome. (laughs) What's your foremost thought when you head out into your day? Is it that meeting that could go south? Is it that test that has to be taken? Is that group gathering for coffee that you're going to be a part of? Those are all great things, but you know what? If we can retrain ourselves to say the most important part of my day is going to be loving people like Jesus today, we will see our community Transformed, And I'm praying that it's so, and I want to pray with you towards that end right now. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for your love and for your grace. I'm so thankful that the way into your family is not through having to work hard and do good things and measure up, but that it's simply about following Jesus and allowing him to fill our hearts with grace and forgiveness. And God, it's our heart's desire for those of us who have really experienced that. God, we want to represent what you've done in us to the world and make that available to them as well. So God, right now in this moment, I want to pray that you would call to mind those people that we need to love like you today as we leave this place. God, would you remind us in this coming week, every time we leave the house, to have our eyes open for that chance to love people the way that you love them, to meet needs the way that you met them, to bring healing the way that you brought healing, to extend grace the way that you extended grace. And that God, my prayer is that you would give us the courage and the strength and the power to walk that out every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, um, If you're new, newer to the church and are looking to uh, just find out a little bit more, Pastor Mike's going to meet with you right underneath that monitor over there for just about five minutes. Also, just a reminder, a great way to love people like Jesus is to be part of what's going on in the kids' ministry, specifically down around Easter. So there's some sign-ups that are available. Don't forget to stop by that table and get signed up. Have a great rest of your weekend.